Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Telephone at some point during the show and dial 800 848 WABC. 800 848 As usual, keep on music there. What happened? Okay, yeah. Um, at some point today, we're going to be speaking with Derek Hunter. My friends, Derek Hunter will be with us also later on in the program. America's small, caffeinated mom, Rhonda Schrock, will join us. We have got so much political news. It just abounds. Well, Bo, we're going to have to uh, disconnect briefly and reconnect due to technical glitches. Stand by. Saying. Good, good start to the show today. Thank you. <laughs> so much political news. The first debates, the dates of the first Republican debates have been released. Uh, the Republican debates will kick off in Milwaukee. First debate scheduled for August 23rd. Now, for those of you who say you're never watching Fox again, the Fox News Channel, and there have been many people that said that after Tucker Carlson left. That's where the first debate is going to be held on the Fox News Channel. There is the possibility of a second date being added on August 24th, if, if. Remember last time there were so many candidates they couldn't all stay on the stage and have a debate on one night? Well, if that situation unfolds, There will be a second debate night on August 24th. The criteria for Republicans to make it into the debate is that they will have to garner donations from at least 40,000 national contributors. They have to poll consistently above 1% in three national polls or two national polls and a state poll. Candidates must secure donations 
with at least 200 unique donors per state or territory in over 20 states. They will have until August 24th, uh, the 21st, to meet all of the criteria. Now, these new standards are said to encourage a smaller field. The RNC doesn't want all these candidates up there, so they raise the stake so that we only get, quote-unquote, I suppose, top-tier candidates. Uh, We'll see how this all turns out. But it's almost hard to believe that here we are again at primary season so quickly. There is a lot going on in the world of Donald Trump. And uh, when Derek gets on with me, we're going to talk about some of those things. There's a lot of legal maneuvering going on. One of the things is that Donald Trump is demanding that the judge overlooking this uh, hush money case in New York, the Alvin Bragg persecution, recuse himself. There's a lot going on in the Georgia case, and apparently that's what I want to talk about with Derek. Uh, That Georgia case could be interesting. Politically, there are other things going on. Yesterday, I noted that one of the conditions that the Republicans imposed on the Biden administration was a work requirement for the continuation of food stamp benefits. But it was only in a small demographic. People in their 50s, and not all the 50s, just like a four or five year, 50 to 55 or something like that. And not everybody. If you're homeless, if you're a vet, you don't, yeah, that didn't apply to you. But otherwise, okay, you have to get a job if you want benefits. There is an article in the New York Times today, well, it is an opinion piece, by one of my favorite leftist columnists, Jamil Bowie. And he says, the Republican obsession, 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 with work requirements is telling. For the Republican supporters of work requirements, however, the state of the real economy is less important than that of the moral economy, which is to say the conservative vision of the proper order for the distribution of rights and privileges in a in society. The essential problem with assistance programs, from this point of view, is that they exist, that they let people live without needing to work. You know, and this is something that liberals take a great umbrage with. How dare you 
How dare you require some effort on my part in order to get a government handout? The government should, if you don't want to work, if you don't want to work and you were able to work, the government should just take care of you and just give you money. And they're perfectly okay with that idea to impose a work requirement on people that can work is now being cast as immoral. We are in we are in an, a, a very strange place in society where everything that was once moral, not everything, but many things that were once considered moral are now considered bad. And things that for millennia have been considered detrimental to society, whether from a spiritual, from a moral, or even from a societal point of view, are now considered, well, let's have at it. Hence, you have this unchecked hedonism that runs through the fabric of our modern society. You have this now desire for people to be able to collect benefits from their fellow human beings without themselves having to contribute anything, and that's considered good by some people. Work requirements, Mr. Bowie says, for federal assistance programs do not, well, work. It doesn't work to have people suggest that they should work in order to get something by way of a handout. Work requirements don't work, but Republicans still want them, so much so that they threaten to crash the global economy to get them. Why? The obvious answer is that work requirements are an effective way to cut programs without actually cutting them. With a little extra paperwork and another layer of bureaucracy, states can keep thousands of people who qualify from getting access to benefits, access, access to benefits, access to money that you have done nothing to earn. Because you no longer have to earn it, someone is just supposed to put it in your hand. It's pretty amazing that FBI uh, uh, check, they've been checking Congress. Congress, House Oversight Committee, has been asking for a document that a whistleblower alerted Congress was in possession of the FBI. The document said, or the claim was made that the document said that then-Vice President Joe Biden was involved in a criminal bribery scheme with a foreign national. 
Well, now we learn that the source of that document, which in fact does exist, is a highly credible FBI confidential source who has been used by the FBI multiple times, had been used by the FBI going back to the Obama administration. And apparently, members of the House Oversight Committee and others are going to be able to, quote-unquote, see the document. We'll see how far that gets everybody. We're going to take a break. James Golden, A.K. Snurley. Phone calls lining up already. This is our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. If you want to be part of the program, 800-848-WABC is the number. When we get back, I'm going to check in and see if Derek is with us. Avery's here. The gang's here. Christian's here. Nick's here. Scott's here. It's Saturday. We're going to groove. Did you... I don't follow Hollywood that much, but did you see that Natalie Portman's husband has been, like, stepping out on her with, uh, like, some little young thing climate activist? Okay. That's all paid. That's all the rage in the New York Post and page six today in Daily Mail. Hey, don't they all? Don't they all what? Don't they all step out? If you... So, put yourself in this guy. He's a a choreographer or something. He's married to Padme, right? She was Padme. And, and yeah, okay. So, he's married to Padme. Would you step out on Padme? The choreographer stepped out on her? Yeah, he, he was out, he's out Hank, her husband. Oh. He's out with some little young chickie now that's that's a lot younger than her these days. And, um, you know. That's a tale all this time, man. What is the tale exactly? Uh, boy meets girl. Boy upgrades life. Options become more. Boy steps out on girl. Okay. <laughs> James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley with you here. We're coming back. Don't go away. Handling legal matters is stressful. So let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno. He's your numero uno. This is the Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. Nineteen seventy seven Bob Marley and the Whalers released the album Exodus. I wanna jam it with you. Time magazine says Exodus is the best album of the twentieth century. I'll tell you what, this album 
took the music industry by storm. Put Marley and the Whalers on the map. Well, Natty Dread was also, I mean, Natty Dread was fierce. Derek Hunter is with us. Jamming in the morning. What's going on, Derek? I'm shocked that Jamil Bowie is your favorite liberal columnist. He really is, Derek. I mean, the guy um, occasionally so cites the Constitution. Occasionally, okay. Occasionally, he'll cite the Constitution as the framework and actually make an argument that's not based on emotion, only emotion and only that Republicans are evil, et cetera, et cetera. Now, today is the Republicans are evil. They actually believe in work and how immoral to believe that people should actually work before they get a handout from the government. You made a very, very good point when you talked about how just a few years ago, everything that was moral then is now considered immoral and vice versa by the left. It is I hadn't thought of it in those terms, but it is true, and it's disgusting. Not surprising, but it is disgusting, and it's damaging to the country, which is why it's being done. There is, Derek, before we go further, are you looking forward to the Republican debates? The first one, are you going to watch Fox, number one? Are you going to watch the Republican debates, August 23rd, the first one? Uh, Yeah, I'll watch it. It, It's probably... It's too far away for me to put it into my calendar. But to be honest with you, the town hall that Fox had with President Trump on Thursday, I'd forgotten completely about and didn't watch. And surprisingly, didn't see anything about it. On, I wasn't all over social media Thursday night, so I didn't really notice anything there. But it's it's a nice feeling to sort of not have to care. I think um, hmm. I think the reason that the ratings for the Fox Town Hall were so low is in part Tucker, but also in part people are going, it's too early. What are we doing? It's way too soon. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if an August debate gets any ratings. It'll, it'll be interesting to see. I think the most interesting things about the debate will be things that don't actually happen at the debate, how many people tune in. Does Donald Trump show up? Those sorts of things are are way more interesting than anything anybody's going to say at the debate. If Donald Trump doesn't show up, what's the point? I I don't know. Um, I think it's to demonstrate. Uh, I think Ron DeSantis, if he plays his cards right, could demonstrate that Donald Trump doesn't take the American public seriously enough, and he feels entitled. If he's if he's smart and he campaigns that way, you talk about how uh, Trump feels entitled to this, and that's simply that's not the American way. I don't know that he'll do it that way. I, I, I think he'd probably adopt a pretend Donald Trump doesn't exist posture. But I think you you go on the attack when your opponent shows their soft underbelly. Well, I will try to remember to ask President Trump. He's going to be on with us in the week coming ahead. And I'll try to remember to ask him if he uh, is, what is his stance on the debates, whether he wants to participate or not. He's, um, he's like nailing jello to a wall. He, he's been all over the place. He's given the maybe I won't show up, maybe he won't. 
look, he lives and dies by the polls. So uh, if his poll numbers are strong still, then I don't think he'll show up because he's not a he's not a good debater. He's he's an insult comic in a lot of ways, especially again. Look, if you're going to debate Nikki Haley, you know, it doesn't take much effort. If you're going to debate most of the rest of the field, I think Tim Scott is one of the nicest guys ever, but he's he's a bipedal insurance seminar. Not very interesting. He's a what? To watch. He, he's a, bi- he's a, a bipedal insurance seminar. Yes. So you, okay. you, you, I, I just don't see Trump being interested in debating him. But if he's close, if DeSantis makes some inroads, he'll have to show up and throw some bombs. If you want to ask Donald Trump a question, He's promised to address birthright citizenship day one in office. I would ask him why he didn't do it at all in day thousand, whatever he had in office already, because he promised to do something about birthright citizenship in his first term. All right. I'm writing that down. I was going to ask him about that anyway. If I, Again, it all depends on what is in the news and what I can remember. Let's talk about some of the things in the news. Reuters has a story today, Derek, that the Georgia probe of Donald Trump has now expanded into activities into other states. That's according to Reuters stories, according to a Washington Post story, the Georgia-based probe into whether former President Donald Trump and others illegally sought to overturn his loss in 2020 has expanded into activities outside of Georgia. Fulton County prosecutor has broadened the two-year-long investigation to include the campaign's hiring of two firms to find voter fraud across the United States, and then apparently, or at least according to this quote, they buried the findings when they didn't find anything. You can always this, left to overreach. The Georgia right. prosecutor has no business... If you're standing in Kentucky murdering people, a Georgia prosecutor should yawn and turn away. They have no jurisdiction whatsoever. This is, I didn't hear, I've not heard this. It's not surprising. The left is nothing but overreach. And that's why it's their, their biggest problem. All the, if you, all you have to do is not be a jackass and they can't handle it. It's that simple. So they are, uh, they're more than likely going to hurt their own case. I don't. I think the case is garbage anyway. I think the concept is garbage anyway. We've all heard the phone call and like, all we need to do is all we need to find eleven thousand votes. That's not go make eleven thousand votes. We know there's fraud. Go find eleven thousand instances of it. That's essentially what was said. That it wasn't said that way. That's why nobody on that call immediately clutched their pearls, engaged their fainting couch with the back of their wrist to their forehead as they fell backwards, going. Can you believe we were just ordered by the president of the United States to, to cheat? And everybody knew what was going on, but the truth doesn't matter to the Democrats, and so they're going to plow forward. It's not about getting convictions; it's about getting charges. That's it. The Trump legal team is demanding that the judge overseeing the Alvin Bragg persecution recuse himself that this is not an impartial drug, uh, a judge. And he, um, his daughter works for a bunch of progressives. And this judge, I believe, is also on record as contributing to, you know, to Democrats 
the what do you think it's likely? Do you think it's like I mean, who knows? It's the legal system. But they're arguing that the judge cannot be impartial. I would be and, and I think they're also arguing to move it into federal court, which is being uh, that that is being uh, challenged by Alvin Bragg and his office. Of course, they want to maintain jurisdiction. Would when that you give it add, a different jury pool? Would it be not just Manhattan if it were in federal court? Is that why they're doing it? Yeah, they want to get it out of, yeah, they want, I, and I would hope, I would hope that they would argue for a change in venue and just get the whole like thing out of New that York. Their first and foremost argument would be this is a bunch of BS. Dismiss these charges. Here's why. Uh, you can pay somebody. You can pay extortion. You can uh, do the, the crime in blackmail is the person blackmailing, not the person paying. Um, and there's nothing illegal here. It's also past the statute of limitations. That should be the focus. I was surprised at the beginning of this uh, when the lawyers were content with waiting several months before even having to file motions for dismissal with prejudice because you you look at this case and it's so absolutely flimsy. Um, It's laughable. So I, I would have thought they would have made an immediate move with a strong argument for dismissal. Now, I'm not a lawyer. Maybe that's just not possible in this case or in any case or whatever, but law and order tells me that you can do these sorts of things to get law it dismissed. The only, ben- the only benefit of keeping this case dragging along is to embarrass Bragg and for Trump to fundraise off of. I don't, and I think that the damage it does in general to the Trump brand is more is worse than any amount of fundraising you could do. So you just, plus you can fundraise off of they tried to prosecute me, to persecute me, and we beat them back so easily. That would have been, I thought, a better thing. But if you want to leave this hanging out there like a sort of Damocles over your head for four months before you even have an argument submitted in writing to dismiss it, seems insane. So to sit there and argue... I'd like the lawyers to be prepared to go to trial, but I'd want the lawyers to be publicly preparing for dismissal and arguing for dismissal almost exclusively. All right. The other legal difficulty is the case, the Mar-a-Lago case, the records, the classified docs. There was a story yesterday, I don't have it in front of me, of uh, of a military... Uh, a person that was just sentenced to jail for mishandling classified documents. The first thing I thought of when I saw the story yesterday was, gee, Hillary got away with it. Why didn't he? He should have just changed his name to Hillary Clinton. Now, the first thing you should have thought of is that poor bastard had to be made an example of to justify going after Trump. That's what that it was. Too. Exactly. Okay. There you boom. All right, when we get back, I'm going to just let's talk about the Mar-a-Lago thing briefly. Did you see what happened in your neck of the woods at there? They had some science scientific conference. This guy jumps on the stage and pulls a Will Smith. He starts smacking around. The guy said this guy was a doctor, a gynecologist apparently. The guy said that he abused his wife. 
and he's been waiting seven years for this. He jumps on stage and just starts smacking this doctor around. He gets off the stage, he comes back on the stage and smacks him around some more. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurdly, coming back. Saturday morning radio extravaganza. We're coming back. Don't go away. Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. This was. Uh, I wonder if they played this song on the Lolita Express. I remember this song. Yeah, Ringo Starr, of course. Okay. But I mean, you listen to it now. I mean, this is like not that different from the original. Honestly, it's a pretty straight remake. Not a remake. This is the original. I'm just wondering if they, when Epstein was flying, like, all of these people down to Pedophile Island, whether they had this playing in the background. Uh, 1964. The Sherman Sherman Brothers, uh, they wrote it. Johnny Burnett did the original version. Oh, my gosh, Scott. Scott, what the music is Let me find it. I'll, I'll try to find the original. Okay. I always thought this was the original. I didn't know this was a cover. It's very similar to the original. The original is from like 1960. Well, you know all about the pedophile song. That's right. No, I just listened to a lot of oh, AM radio oh, with oh, my oh. parents. A lot of a lot of adult contemporary, and this was played extensively on there. Yeah, well, that was back in the days when people didn't take us. That's when Jerry Lee Lewis had the 14-year-old bride, and a lot of things have changed. You know, back then. People may find this hard to believe, but back then, in many states, it was legal to get married if you were 16. Isn't it still? Aren't there still states? You can, I think Utah, you can get married at like 14. Anyway, Ringo was uh, taken ill on this day in 1964. The Beatles were touring. They had to use a session drummer, Jimmy Nichols. To replace Ringo for 11 days as they started the world tour. He was a Beatle for 11 days. Ringo Starr, WABC Talk Radio 77. Derek Hunter is with us. Derek, you know, there's a big story. AP got a lot of documents, apparently, from uh, on the Epstein case that show his supposed frame. This is all bolstering the idea the poor guy committed suicide. And, you know, he was in such a bad state of mind. All the things happened. Do you think we're ever going to get to the bottom of this whole Jeffrey Epstein saga? No. No. First of all, 
the 1970s has a long string of songs that are uh, very pedophilic. Young Girl. Remember that song, Young Girl? Yeah. My Chevy van is uh, a guy trolling around, uh, picking up young kids, <laughs> violating them in all sorts of ways and dumping them on the side of the road. There's like a whole bunch of stuff going on there in the 70s. As far as Jeffrey Epstein goes, we'll never know because you, you can only get it directly from the source. And weirdly, I don't even know if anybody's trying, but Ghislaine Maxwell, Maxwell, we should have an interview with her, right? I mean, Barbara Walters is dead, but she should have sat down with Oprah or somebody by now. Shouldn't she have the uh, leverage, if it exists, that she had knowledge of the people, blah, blah, blah? She should exercise that leverage, you would think, wouldn't she? She, she lost. She's going to spend the rest of her life basically in prison. Um, you'd think that she'd start talking if there were something to talk about. I don't know that there's anything to talk about, but uh, for some weird reason, there's this cone of indifference around the case, not about Epstein's death, but about Epstein's life. We still don't know how he made his money. No one that is true. Look at it. That is true. Yeah. No one knows how this guy all of a sudden emerged as the multi-billionaire. How do you afford you an a... island? With lots of money. Yeah, but I mean, where did that come from? Was it all that he was blackmailing that one dude, the, the Victoria's Secret guy? And if so, on what? Right? If you can get hundreds of millions of dollars through blackmailing people, you've got to be blackmailing them over, you know, not over the, you cheated in junior high or you jaywalked. It's got to be something pretty serious. I'd be interested to know what that serious stuff is. I'd like to, I would like to know, mostly because Windows sucks. What it is that uh, in Bill Gates and what him and Bill Gates did together all those times when Bill Gates, wife at the time was running around saying this guy's scumbag, stay away from him. And he goes, no, I must I must continue to be friends with Jeffrey Epstein. There's something weird about that because Bill Gates was the richest guy in the world. Bill tries to pretend like I'm trying to raise money for climate and my other cause like. You're the richest guy in the world. If you need money for something, cut a check. You're hanging out with – it doesn't matter. You don't need Jeffrey Epstein's money. You had plenty of money, more than you could ever spend in your life. I don't buy that you were trying to get him involved because your $140 billion wasn't going to be enough. There's something else going on there. Nobody wants to ask the questions because uh, who knows? Reasons. But I would sure sure like to know. <laughs> Reasons. Just because. <laughs> yeah. yeah, did you see that case I'm talking I'm looking for the story that happened in Baltimore. It's it you can find it today. This guy I have to find the story. I, I had it. I didn't see I, the video. I saw the story where the guy went up and smacked the doctor around. Um good. Good if it's And true. then he leaves the stage. He leaves the stage. And someone calls, they say, call security, call security. And the guy says, he starts, you know, hurling all kind of um, expletives and says, yeah, I can call security. And then he goes back up on the stage, smacks the guy around some more. You know what you did. You smack the doctor around, you smack the doctor around, and then somebody says, call security. Like, well, hell, I'm going to get arrested. I might as well keep doing what I'm I'm only, I can only get charged with assault once. Let's go smack the hell out of him until security shows up. 
But here's the odd thing. The doctor is not pressing charges. The police showed up, and the, and they, and the, and the guy, really the doctor. That odd? You think it's really that odd? You think that doctor wants police sniffing around if he's been accused of sexually assaulting somebody? If I didn't sexually assault somebody, I'd like arrest this man and throw the book at him. If I if I think that something I did might even be construed as sexual assault, I might go, you know what? We're good. There's no reason to involve the authorities. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> so just saying, okay. Um, you, you've been following this case. Do you think anything is going to come of this investigation into Joe Biden's vice presidential years now that the FBI has confirmed that it was a highly credible FBI source that the FBI had used all the way through the Obama administration that alleges that Joe Biden, while he was vice president, was involved in a $5 million bribery scheme with a foreign national. After the FBI stonewall Congress, which has oversight, Derek, and I don't understand the way that Washington works, and, and you're, you're closer to you having been in positions where you can see this up close during your varied career. You've worked more jobs than anybody that I know. How many? What is your job count? How many jobs have you worked in your life, Derek? I think it's 77. I've had more jobs than most families. Right. You, but And some of those jobs have been in very close proximity to the real political power in this country. I don't understand how Congress is kind of looked at as a we'll get back to you sort of agency. Oh, you, you, you want information and you're the FBI, you're in the DOJ, you're in the executive branch. By our Constitution, the executive branch has oversight. I mean, Congress has oversight over this branch under our check and balances. But yet, you can have the FBI tell Congress, oh, go st- stick a rag and leave me alone. <laughs> you know, I mean, they, they, they just... It's, it's, being in government in a in a uh, position that Congress has oversight over is a lot like being a chicken sitting on an egg waiting for it to hatch, except you want to control when it hatches and you want to make it wait to hatch for as long as possible. You want to delay the hatching. That's what these people do. It's delay, delay, delay. It's the Clinton tactic. James, I don't need to tell you this. Delay, 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 and then admit and say it's old news. That's what they they want to do. So do we think that this is going to matter? I think it will matter to the people it matters to already. I don't think it will matter to anybody it doesn't matter to. If you had a video in in three months, if eventually Chris Ray releases a video because he has no choice of Joe Biden literally saying, hey, give me five million dollars and I'll give you this thing. Um that it won't matter. Morning Joe won't talk about it. Or Morning Joe will talk about how the immorality of surreptitiously recording politicians or something like that. Remember, I think his name was Joe Murtha. He was involved oh, yes. in an app scam. He was caught yes. on tape taking bribes. And he was a hero to the Democrats to the very end of his life. He kept on getting reelected. 
to some people, it simply doesn't matter. And by some people, I mean mostly Democrats. What was it? William Jefferson had $100,000 in cash in the freezer in his congressional office. And when the FBI raided that money, that office, what was the story? Even Republicans were outraged that the FBI would go into a congressional office with a subpoena and raid it. Well, that's where the crime took place. But even John Boehner, Speaker of the House at the time, was defending Jefferson from bribery charges. It's D.C. is wildly corrupt. For all the talk of I drain the swamp, not a single drop of sludge was drained from the swamp. Goodness. The Rushing Brook Children's Choir shows up. These stories in the Daily BS, among other places. The Children's Choir shows up in statutory. No, I'm sorry. I always call it statutory because that's what happens there. But in statutory hall in the U.S. Capitol. They're starting, they sing the, the, the national anthem. They start singing the Star Spangled Banner. In Statutory Hall, the Capitol Police tell them they have to stop. You cannot sing the nat- a children's choir. You cannot sing the national anthem. The Capitol Police intervene. Stop it. This is a protest song. It can be construed as a protest song. How in the hell does this make any sense whatsoever? Having worked there, you know, honestly, it is the equal blind and sometimes blind is dumb application of the law. You just can't. If it's organ, if it's spontaneous, I suppose you could, they're not going to tackle everybody, but it sounds to me like they were setting up like a chorus to perform there, and you can't have that. I, you're not even allowed to bring protest signs. I, as an employee of the United States Senate, I forget even what the, uh, the issue was. I think it was a, a, a sign shaped like a stop sign. I thought it was funny. It said, it tells you my dark sense of humor, it said, stop underage drinking. I don't know what they were protesting. I don't know who was out there going, you know, with the signs, more underage drinking. But there were signs, stop underage drinking, like a stop sign. And I thought, this is pretty funny as a young single guy. I'm going to pick this up. I'm going to take this home. I'm going to hang this in my apartment. It's kind of funny. So I go back from lunch carrying this sign. I'm literally 20 feet from my office. All I have to do is go through security to get there. And I was not allowed to bring the sign into the building, even carrying it under my arm with the security guards knowing me, telling them I'm not going to protest. Obviously, I've got my badge. My office door is right there. I wasn't allowed to bring it in. Do we have another break? In the bushes and get it out and take it and grab it when I got home. So it's the equal application of the law. I appreciate the equal application of the law. But the equal application of the law, the blind application of the law, oftentimes looks pretty damn stupid to a normal person. Well, I guarantee you, you're right, because this looks pretty damn stupid to most Americans. Yep. But what can you do? 
Derek Hunter's with us. We're going to come back. Your calls are coming up, too, so don't go away. It is our Saturday morning radio extravaganza here on WABC. James Golden, Snurley with you. 800-848-WABC is the number. We're coming back. Don't. Go away. Hall and Oates. Sarah Smile. When I feel cold, you warm me. And when I feel I can't go on, you come and hold me. It's you and me. It's Saturday! It's Saturday! Saturday! It's Saturday! It's the Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. December of 1960, it peaked. And I just heard via text. What's that? Remastered for Bill Gates' birthday party. Remastered for Bill Gates' birthday. Yes, the digital. uh... Yeah, and I just heard from America, one of America's premier songwriters, Mrs. Churchill. She is uh, listens to us from the left coast of America. It's not warm when she's away. That if you listen to this song very carefully, ain't no sunshine when she's gone. It's about gone too long. a young chicky poo, a young girl. Away. Yeah. Is there like a reference to her about or something? I- I know this song. I've never got the perv vibe off it. Never what? I never got the perv vibe off of it. Yeah, me either. That's why you... But hey, I mean, Miss Churchill knows her music. She's one of America's premier songwriters. Unless, so I, unless it's, it's, you know, it's about a song about his daughter and there's shared custody or something and divorce. Oh. Oh. Okay. Well, no, it doesn't have to be sexual, you pervert. When his daughter's with the mother, he misses his daughter. His, his life is sad without his daughter around. I'm trying to put a yeah. non-pervy spin on it. For God's sakes, it's Saturday. Derek, I mean, okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right, I got to ask you about this, okay? Really? The, oh, I, I'm, yeah, 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 I'm not. Okay, YouTube is now going to allow claims now now is now going to allow content where people can actually question the veracity of the 2020 election <laughs> before <laughs> okay you told me all I needed to know I'm like why now why all of a sudden are you opening up the platform so that you can content if you think that the 2020 election was not proper, was not held properly. Until now, you got censored on YouTube. But apparently, and this story's at the Daily BS today too, apparently 
right now they've decided the parent company Google has a policy or that advancing false claims about widespread fraud errors or glitches that occurred in past elections uh, was verboten. But now they, they will stop removing such content. They say that in the current environment, we find that while removing this content does curb some misinformation, it could also have the unintended effect of curtailing political speech. <laughs> the unintended. I love how it's unintended. Oopsie. Who would have ever thought? Yeah, no, except for everybody. Nobody would have ever thought. Why now? Why do you, why, why do you, why do you think this is going on now, Derek? Why now? What else is the Demo- what else are the Democrats going to run on? What is Joe Biden going to run for re-election on? Oh, I've, I've done such a great job. No, it's going to be the other side is crazy. So you got to let the the people go nuts so you can cherry pick the craziest and say, look, this represents everybody on the other side. So they need to create a farm that they can pull the uh, the crazy from. Wow. They do. do they, think... they want to be able to ridicule it, so they'll ignore 99% of it. They'll ignore everything that, that anybody makes a sane or rational argument, or, hey, you know what, just licking a stamp and putting it on a ballot, that's probably not enough security for, for voting. Now, they'll ignore that, and they'll go, space aliens brought down and uh, filled out ballots for Joe Biden, and they'll highlight that one. That one will come up in the algorithm search for everybody who's looking for old Seinfeld episodes or something. And uh, it'll be exposed. They'll try and influence people. That's how this stuff works. <laughs> All right. Right now, if you had to make a guess as to, and this is very, very early, of course, but right now, the way things are shaping up, you got Chris Christie in, which, I mean, Trump just went there. Why? He actually, Why? He, he went there. He ridiculed him. <sighs> Look, can I just say, since somebody's called in once and said that I'm always making fat jokes, and it's not true, I'm not always making fat jokes, but I'm going to make a fat joke right now. Chris Christie's biggest accomplishment, aside from, I don't know, being elected governor of New Jersey in the first place, was being the only person in human history to have gastric bypass and gain weight. (laughs) I don't know how that's even possible physically, but he did it. Trump went there, and now Derek Hunter went there. Derek Hunter, people can find you at Town Hall, but they can also find your podcast. Where can they find you? Oh, if you just search Derek Hunter Podcast, or if you uh, want some saucy language, patreon.com slash Derek Hunter Podcast. And, uh, you know, you can find me everywhere. Thank you, Derek. We'll catch you next week, my friend. James Golden Snurley coming back Saturday morning. Radio Extravaganza continues right after this.
Hey, James, it's Danny. Another NBA Finals update. Yes, we are in the finals now. The Miami Heat made it after barely escaping, giving up a 3-0 lead in their series. Although, in Game 7 against Boston, they absolutely trashed the Celtics. I couldn't be happier to see Boston lose. They moved on to the NBA Finals, where they're taking on the heavily favored Denver Nuggets. And in Game 1, it was all Denver, 104-93 in favor of the Nuggets. Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic looked unstoppable. Miami, their role players, notably Max Struess and Gabe Vincent, couldn't hit anything. And it remains to be seen if Miami can make the necessary adjustments because Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic, as I already have said, are quite the duo. It's going to be really tough to stop them, especially Jokic, who is definitely the best player in the NBA. Game two is set for Sunday, but a lot of people are saying this is going to be a short series. That's your NBA Finals update. See you soon, James. Let's check in with some telephone calls. You know, uh, usually we don't get to telephone calls until later, but we've got so many people that want to weigh in on things. Let's head to the telephones right now. Let's start with Steve in Brooklyn. Steve, welcome. You're on WABC Talk Radio 77. James Golden, a.k. Sternly. It's our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. How are you, Steve? I'm doing fine. Um, you, the very first thing you started off with today, which is that everything is topsy-turvy and reverse. Uh, good is bad, black is white, and so on. Um, there's a book that I read long ago that once was the most popular book in America. It was written by the author Edward Bellamy. And it was called Looking Backward. And in 1888, when it was published, he, he, well, it was very satirical, very humorous. It was a utopian novel. But in it, he said that in the future, the 21st century, strangely timely, crime would be an illness, and illness would be a crime. And everything was totally in reverse. Crime has become an illness because... Many of the criminals that were in Rikers Island and re- released were simply called ill, and they were released as if they were suffering from illness. And meanwhile, illness became a crime during the pandemic. Pandemic, with all yes. The ins- insistence that it's a crime if you don't get vaccinated. There are currently proposals in New York State to make a registry of all New York citizens and their vaccination status. Uh, This has been proposed in Albany recently. So it's a book that I think people should read. It was as popular uh, at one time as 1984 by George Orwell and uh, Aldous Huxley's Brave New World. Um, This book spawned some 46 other publications of the utopian sort in the late 1800s. And it also spawned the populist party movement back in the United States. So what you said is strangely timely, James. Uh, it's just that it was written about a, a century and three decades ago. That's pretty incredible. I'll tell you who else listens to this uh, and comments frequently. And those people that in, involved, and I don't want to get too deeply into this today because that's not how we do the show, but I hear from a lot of people who understand biblical prophecies. And and, and they spend a lot of time studying that. And they're not surprised by things that are happening today. And they say that the same thing. Now, look, this is, this is no small matter that you raised and that, and that I raised earlier. When you have people, esteemed columnists in some cases, who are 
suggesting that work should be totally disconnected with the ability to get money and have money from the efforts of other people. I mean, just think about that. They think that it is immoral for people to have to work in order to earn. People that can work should not be required to work. Instead, they should just be given money from the government, from other taxpayers, and rewarded for not working. That's now a popular idea among Democrats, among liberals. When you look at what transpired, we were at the beginning of Pride Month, and I have talked extensively about this month, this idea of pride. Okay, pride. Pride because you have a sexual proclivity. And I don't care whether that proclivity is heterosexual or whatever. Why should we celebrate your sexuality? Instead, conversely, why are you celebrating it? Why, if if we had a straight month, a month where people would just go out and hold parades and put up a special flag because they were straight, we would hear, no doubt, from people on the left that this was somehow being disingenuous and that this was also harmful to other people. But yet, we accept it as just part of the normal fabric of life these days. And I find it interesting, and I wonder where this is going in our society. There was a, uh, they're calling it a fight in the press at one of the schools out in California, where apparently a pride flag that a teacher had in the classroom was burned and is now being investigated as a hate crime. Of course, I don't condone that sort of activity, and I don't think anyone should. But the idea that teachers have a flag in a classroom, and this is now not uncommon in the United States, conveying messaging about their own sexuality or their own advocacy of a particular sexuality, how did this become acceptable I, I hearkened back the other day, and for those of you that weren't with me on that particular episode of Boston Nerdist Rush Hour, let me just briefly restate the premise that I made. I am old enough to remember when the idea of gay teachers was first introduced into the public debate. And what we were told at the time was that if you opposed the idea that openly gay teachers were teaching your kids, you would you were bigoted. Your fears were uncounted. And what were the fears that were being expressed? The fears at that time, and if you don't, if you doubt me, just go back and pour through some of the old newspapers at the time. This was before, this was pre-internet. But the argument was largely along these lines. Opponents of having 
openly gay teachers in public schools said that this would open the door to the recruitment of young children. And at the time, that was just dismissed as silly and bigoted. It was, of course, having a gay teacher is not going to impact education. A science teacher, after all, is going to teach science. A math teacher is going to teach math. A gym teacher is going to teach gym. Do you remember gym classes? God, did you did, did you take gym? Did, did you guys have? To... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and did you have to actually pass stuff in gym, like, you know, do many? Yeah, we had to do the president's fitness test or whatever. There was some sort of, yeah, there was some sort of criteria that you You're had. You're not in your head, and if you had to do it, too, do they still do they still, uh, do they still have all that good stuff happening in gym and physical ed? Yeah, they've got, you know, classics like running the mile. I don't know if they have that, you know, classic climbing rope that you see in TV shows and oh, stuff. I hated that. I no, freaking that, that, hated was that, a, that was once a year. That yeah, that's a that one and done. Thing. That kills your upper body. But they have, um, yeah, they have the fitness gram pacer test, which is kind of like. The what? Yeah, I think it it was the presidential fitness test, but now it's the the, the pacer test, and it's kind of like you know they measure how many sit ups you can do, how many push ups, pull ups, and then you fall on some sort of scale of some kind. It's it's I interesting. I hated gym. Yeah, me too. I hated I hated gym. It was all I right. Hated every it was all right. Yeah, you played. You liked gym? Well, yeah. Every every six or what? Every six or nine weeks, you got to switch sports. You played basketball, football. That's true. It's not so bad if you're playing a ball game. Now, when it was hot, the, when it was hot, you had to go play baseball. Then that's when you had to rethink things. <laughs> but I mean, I hated the whole thing. You interrupt your day. You have to go in some locker room with a bunch of other, you know, guys. Back then, you know, you weren't allowed to go in the girls' locker room. If you were a guy, you had to stay in the guys' locker room. Yeah. And let me tell you something. It wasn't the most pleasant experience being in there with some of those guys. Okay. <laughs> You know what I mean? It was just like, oh, man, this is kind of gross. Yeah, get okay, dressed and get out of there. Thank you. And then, and then, and and who's going to actually use the showers before you go back to class? So it was, it was just, I never liked it. And then this whole climb the rope thing. Yeah, I, I never, I never did that. <laughs> we, we, we didn't have a yeah, gym yeah. in my um, grade school. So yeah, we, we, we couldn't that. do the rope. We couldn't do the rope thing either. Yeah. Well, what did you do? We would. Ju- it was just like there was a big activity room, and we'd run around in a circle and do, do- you know, dodgeball and, and parachutes and all that crazy stuff. I only saw that rope in like the army and like on TV, like like PE classes. Never in real life. Lots of movies too. Yeah, yeah, movies. Yeah, well, we had it, <laughs> and it wasn't fun. It seemed like, it, it seemed like a big lawsuit hazard. Like that's what it seems like. Well, I fell off of the um, chin bars. See, see, see. And I went. My body went into spasms. I'm not kidding. <laughs> no, I mean, you're laughing. That, that, it wasn't spasms. funny. Yeah, no, no, no. Because I landed on my neck. Oh man. On the ground, and I don't know what happened there. And my body just totally went into convulsions. Yeah, and now they want you to climb up to the ceiling and touch it. <laughs> yeah. Nah. It's like, yeah, really? I don't think so. Yeah. New house. But anyway. So my point was that you had all these classes, and we were told way back when, right? This is what we were all told, and go back and check. 
any of you that 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 think I am not accurately remembering what happened, confirm it for yourselves. We were told as a society during this debate whether openly gay teachers should be teaching schools. We were told if you oppose this, you're a bigot because teachers are not going to try to recruit children. Of course not. You're being silly. There will not be an, uh, an introduction into more sexual topics. Well, in, in defense of my school, I, I went to a Catholic grade school. Yes. And I am 99.9% sure that the gym teacher was a lesbian. And that never came up. Ever. Well, back then, no, they weren't. But no one was. Ex- you're almost making my point for me. Well, that's what it should be. That's that. That's what they said it would be. And that's not what it's Because into. back then, nobody was talking about these kind of issues. You didn't have teachers coming in, decorating their rooms with pride flags. You didn't have drag queens being introduced in libraries, school libraries. She didn't do any of those things. Right. Of course not. But now if you look at what the school system is, Everything that these so-called bigots back then warned society about has now transpired. Now we have books in the school. And there was a New York Times article yesterday that bemoaned the fact that there's this movement afoot to ban books in many states. I find it hilarious coming from the New York Times editorial board that they're actually railing against the banning of books as not giving people sufficient kids sufficient information when they themselves ban news stories. That, For instance, the story that the Biden family was connected all the way through and had 20 or some odd dozens of shell companies set up to funnel money. The New York Times never touched that story. They banned it. And there are other stories that the New York Times will never handle that you can find on places like the Daily BS, the Daily Wire, that you can find in 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 all sort uh, all sorts of the conservative quote unquote media. But yet we're all supposed to be worried about the banning of books. When in some cases, these books, not all cases, and by the way, there are some books that, that, that have been banned, and you have to question the logic. What was behind banning this book? And I, I, I understand that. But then others of these books that are being banned have graphic, graphic illustrations and stories about all kinds of sexual matters. Some of it same sex, some of it not. And parents are saying, we are not sending our children to school to learn this from you. This is not the role of schools. You have these classrooms now decorated in these pride flags, in BLM posters, in all sorts of indoctrination. And I think that parents are finally... And part of this was due to the pandemic, 
when their kids were at home, they finally got a chance to see what their kids were being exposed to in school. And they said, what in, what's going on in these schools? But everything that the left said would not happen, has happened. Now, am I saying that gay teachers should not be teaching in public schools? Of course not. But I'm saying there have been no controls over this explosion of open sexuality in schools. Yeah. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurdy. I got people telling me to shut up and go to a break. So I'm going to do that. But we're coming back. WABC Talk Radio 77. 800-848-WABC. Coming right back. You know that it would be untrue. Nineteen sixty seven. The doors. If I was to say to you, this song was released today. Well, this date anyway. In 1967, went on to become the number one song in the country. Of course, she has so many versions, so many covers. Jose Feliciano's version is wildly kick-ass. Have you heard Stevie cover this? I heard, no, I haven't heard Stevie cover this. He rocked this to sleep. To absolute sleep. When did you hear that? Where? Where? In life. No. Was it a live album? That's what I'm asking. No, no, it wasn't live. Studio. I'm going to have to go find it. Okay. I think we have it. I've I've actually got it right here if you want me to crossfade. Yeah, crossfade it, man. Let me hear it. Oh, this is old Motown. Yeah. Know that it would be untrue. Tell him, Stevie. <laughs> know that I would be a liar. It's a totally different group, but it works like way better. If I want to say to you, I told you. Hey, girl, you know we couldn't get much higher. Hey, come on, baby, light my fire. Hey, Stevie. Come, baby, light Ain't nobody better. Minnie Riverton did a version of this with Jose Feliciano that is really dope. I think we have that one, too. Well, hit your crossfade again. 
This is old Motown production. I love this. This is the mini Ripperton version. Love that bossa style guitar. Yeah, it's like not nice bossa nova. And of course, mini. Yeah, know. yeah. You know that it would be untrue. You know that I would be. Well, this is Jose Feliciano's version. If I was to say Do you have mini Ripperton? She did one with with Jose. I think I only have Jose, my bad. But I love this one too. This song is like it was it's such an iconic song. It's yeah. like an anthem. That classic Ed Sullivan performance. Oh yeah. What do you know about Ed Sullivan? Man, music is my life. All right then. You should make sure we don't have that mini version, mini Ripperton. We don't. Yeah, I looked it up and I only got the Jose Feliciano. Hey, you know she's gonna hit a high note and crack my glasses. I don't feel like I don't feel like switching glasses. <laughs> <laughs> I only brought one pair with me today. All right. You know Lizzo. Lizzo has had it with the fat jokes, by the way. I think that's. The, did I see that on the Daily Beast today or? Lizzo says, you know what, she's done. Um, this podcaster, Layla Halpern, said, how is Lizzo still this fat when she's constantly moving this much on stage? I wonder what she must be eating. Now, that's just, you know, really? Lizzo says she just logged to Twitter, and this kind of SH, blah, 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 that I see about me on a daily basis is really starting to make me hate the world. Now that's coming from Lizzo. You know, I, I, I didn't know who Lizzo was until maybe a year ago. And as I started following more and more about her, this woman is a very talented performer. It's not like she doesn't have skills. This woman has skills. And she puts herself out there. She is a big girl. You know, got to just, the obvious is the obvious. But then she said, um, she said this stuff is really starting to make her hate the world. Then someone in the comments said, I eat lots of fast food. And she puts in in caps, I literally stopped eating fast food years ago. I'm tired of explaining myself all the time. I just want to get on this app without seeing my name in some bull blank. She said, y'all don't know how close I am to giving up on everyone and quitting and enjoying my money, my man, on a effing farm. The love definitely... Do not, I guess she said, does not outweigh the hate on social media. All because I'm fat? 
This is crazy. I don't know why people feel the need to keep attacking this woman. I just don't get it. You know, yes, she is big. So what? She's got immense talent. And that's and she usually when she's not confronted with this kind of crap is one of the voices for positivity and for bringing more love into the world. And I just hate to see her have to go through this. But she's like hypersexual though. Excuse me? She's like hypersexual. Like she she she's like real sexy, like dresses sexy, does all that sexy stuff for her size. Like, don't you kinda invite that? Are big girls not allowed to be sexy? <laughs> no, but you can't play it up. Like I mean she wears like she dresses provocative, you know, none of the stuff none of the stuff fits. <laughs> like she ain't let's be honest, like she may have stopped eating McDonalds, but she's not a vegan. Uh-huh. I'm with Avery, and that, and that 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 was for Derek. That was for Derek Hunter. Okay, so if you are bigger, then you shouldn't wear clothes that. Wear clothes that wear clothes that fit. But they do fit. Just See, this is where you're lucky. This is not a TV show. I pull up the stuff she wears. <laughs> So no. do you think it's okay that this girl is taking this much grief? But, but I'm saying. Seriously. I she, mean, why Why in the world, even if you think that, why would you go on social media and just troll somebody? Now, nah, that's that's going too far. But I'm saying. Okay. As far as comedians and, like, night, tonight, the, 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 the late night monologues and all that, if you choose to go that route, you're going to invite that stuff on you. Now, trolling and all that, I'm not with that, but. You know, just to, you're going to invite that stuff if you dress like that. If you dress like you like 160 and you 360 or 260. So the only people that are allowed to be sex to. No, to... There, there's something sexy about every woman, Bo. But every woman don't have the cheeks dragging on the floor. That was harsh, dude. His his, his point is, if you are throwing yourself out there in that way, that you're exposing yourself to criticism. If she doesn't want to be analyzed for what she's doing, then she shouldn't do it. It's like, this comes back to the Fetterman argument. It's like, she doesn't have to dress that way. She doesn't have to act that way. She doesn't have to engage all of these conversations. It's all right, though. It's all right to do it. She can do it if she wants. But, but, at, but you're action, throwing yourself out there. Actions, actions, have, actions have a reaction. Yeah. I still think it is just so low rent. Now I'm not. Defa- again, I'm not defending the trolls. Her looks. I'm not defending the have, trolls. Have you ever heard? Have you ever heard this woman play the flute? The flute? No. Let me, okay. No. Right. She's I'm very good. So, I'm not down the talent. Right. <laughs> I heard this woman play solo flute. Now, number one. What was she wearing? I don't remember what she was wearing. I didn't care what she was wearing. She did. But I heard this woman play the flute. And if anyone knows what scary is, scary is is a solo performer standing up and just playing your instrument with no accompaniment, nobody there to hide any potential mistakes. It's all you. And every note that you play is, 
is 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 there, ready to be attacked if you get it wrong. This woman is masterful. I'll, I'll give it to her. It's hard to make it these days being big. Like, I'll give it to her. It's extra hard. Oh, my. Because, you it's know. extra hard being extra all, large. It's all about looks and stuff now. Like, it's more about looks and talent. Back in the day, you had to be able to sing. Now, you don't have to sing. You just have to look good. So it's extra hard to make it being big. And you don't find anything wrong with that. See, yeah. this goes back that's, to that's what the, is the, that's the game. What, Bo. Is, what is the merit? No, this is really deep. Merit, merit. What you do is more important than what you look. I agree, but that's not no. The way, you don't that's agree. That's not the way it is. Because you just no, you don't agree. You just call the girl out for wearing some. Well, no, that's another issue. But that's now, her choice. That's a, that's She's another issue. That's something she can control. If we're talking about having the, the entertainment business being based on looks, that's another issue than you offering yourself up to to everybody, you know, wearing a thong out and showing out in public at the Laker game. That's You don't have to do that. And, and it works. She gets, she gets on page six and all these other, and on, on all these other, it works. You know, it got her the publicity. And wow. it's, 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 it's going to bring that ridicule, too. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley, WABC, Saturday morning. Glad you're here with us, Minnie. Saturday morning radio extravaganza. James, welcome aboard. Nice to see you again, sir. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. It's time. Thank goodness Scott reminded me. Like, yeah, we're halfway through. Where's your morning dance? you got to get up and dance. You know, this song is, we were watching Bridesmaids the other week, and uh, yeah. this song is in Bridesmaids in the background. I don't know if you've ever seen that movie. No, Scott. It's, it's pretty, it, never... it's a great movie. It's it's Scott, kind of, it's a semi-chick flick, but it's Scott, really funny. Let me guess, your wife made you watch it. The first time, now I like it. Bridesmaids. It's, it's, good, it's good the first time. <laughs> Alright, you guys get up Get up out of your seats You two, Nick, everybody Avery, Scott's up If Lizzo can wa- can wear what she wears I can watch Bridesmaids So this is our morning dance We are halfway through this show In this song The reason I chose this song for the morning It's called Morning Dance But Actually makes you want to get up and dance. One of these days we got to get to the end of this song. Not now. Because the end just, they just take it. (sighs) Okay, thank you. Yeah, I'm getting a lot of remarks about you, Avery. You know, Avery. Obviously, Avery has no limits. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Attacking poor Lizzo. See, I didn't attack her. But where? <laughs> See, there she's we, so, there she, we go. She's so brave. Is that what, is that what Avery's supposed to be saying? I'm so not going to let you run with that narrative, Bo. 
I'm gonna I'm kill I'm gonna kill that in, in, in its infancy. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm stamp it out now before it becomes a flame. She had a right to do it. How are you gonna? St- she had a right to do it, but again, it's gonna it's gonna come with with you know, with, cer- with certain you know responses. It's her right. Okay. All right. And, and then she, I got a remark that look. She, she makes plenty of money, too. Let's not forget that. That's why I said, look, People man. People love her. I'm impressed that she made it being that big. It's hard. The last one I... Look, look, and here, uh, here's another response to you, Avery. Yeah, go ahead. Look at the Kardashians. No talent. Go, Lizzo. If she's comfortable and confident with her outfits, what others say should not matter one bit. But those two... If people don't like it... Don't look at her. Those who don't go to her. And and if you don't have something nice to say, don't Don't say say anything at all. Comfortable and confident. The first part of that. Comfortable and confident don't go together. Comfortable and confident don't don't go together. (laughs) Comfortable and confident don't go together. Not with those outfits she be wearing. She, <laughs> she, she can be confident, but she ain't comfortable. <laughs> I say there's a lot going I don't on. Know how you know that? It's, but... a, it's a lot going on. <sighs> keep the, the, keep the, keep everything in place. There's a lot going on there, and like I said, it's entertainment. It's entertainment business. I get it. I get it. Okay. All right. Okay. And then, by the way, Scott, comments about you. Go, Scott. That's why you're still married. You know how to work together with your wife. Because you sit down and, I guess, watch chick flicks with your wife. It's barely a chick flick. Hold on, hold on. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. About bridesmaids and sit and tell me that it's barely a chick flick. flick. Give me a break. Please. That's just good comedy. Good, clean fun. Good, clean chick flick. How did you dodge that gunfire I just got? You was agreeing with me. How did you dodge all that gunfire I took? Because you brought brought it up. You you kind of owned it, but yeah, I'm doing what I can. Man. <laughs> All right. I have an, here's another story, and I'm going to tell you, folks, and we're coming back to your phone calls momentarily. I love, I love, L-O-V-E, this story. Love it. 76-year-old celebrates self-love by marrying herself. It's all a bed of roses. Now, I looked at the headline, and I said, mm, self-marriage, okay. Mm-hmm. The dress was white, but everything else about Dottie Fideli's wedding was far from traditional. Fideli had been divorced for decades. But the 76-year-old, soon to be 77, has been the life of the party for her whole life. Described as a costume-wearing, attention-getting, forever-caring friend, who is very loving and always in a great mood, Fideli seemed endlessly vivacious and confident. But the bubbly exterior was hiding a deeper insecurity. Fideli uh, saw a different version of herself when she looked in the mirror. She felt like, quote-unquote, a little dummy. She could not read. And people have conversations. She says she would just have to stay out of them. 
because she did not understand the things they were talking about. The frustration of living this dual life of not being literate finally became too much. At age 75, Dottie Fideli started teaching herself how to read. She said it took almost two years of nightly practice. But practice makes perfect. Now she has conquered her illiteracy, and with that victory, she began to see herself the way the rest of the world did. It was reading that helped her find love again, a love she had never known the love of self. So last month, Fideli tied the knot with herself in a sweet ceremony at the retirement home in Goshen, Ohio, where she lives. While the ceremony obviously wasn't a real real wedding, Fideli says she meant it as a serious reminder that before one could share love, you first have to find it within yourself. She says, if you master that, you'll find out that it's all a bed of roses. I love that story. Hey, when does that take place? Her wedding took place already. So she just learned how to read? She just learned how to read. She taught herself as she started at 75 years old. How's that possible? How's that in this day and age to, to, to maneuver? Oh, Avery, it is so, I'm glad you asked that. It is so easy. Let me tell you something, Avery. This goes to something that I talk about all the time, and we, we don't understand how many people there are in our current society that do not know how to read. They're graduating from high schools without knowing how to read. We're not talking about a few hundred kids, isolated kids. We are talking about tens of thousands of children every single year that come out of schools not knowing how to read, not knowing how to do math, and they hide it. Yeah, I knew. They I knew, have to hide it. I knew some of those people when I was coming out of high school, but how, they have smartphones, don't they? Like how? How do you, how, how is that possible? They text and they do all that other stuff. And you see the way that they text, right? It's usually with, <laughs> right. Gobbledy, so yeah, gobbledy even goop. you're laughing. Gobbledygook. Right. You use a lot of icons. You use a lot of. <laughs> I never thought of that. <laughs> you're laughing. Or else you, you use terminology that you know, but it's not, yeah. A text, a text with 100% emojis. <laughs> he's laughing at them. This guy, Avery's laughing at these people. They, and then of course there's Lisa out there. I just did this wonderful, touching story, this beautiful story. This woman, seventy-five years, who everybody loved her. She's the life of the party. She's all that. She looks at herself. She doesn't love herself because she feels inadequate because she doesn't know how to read it. Seventy-five. She finds the courage to teach herself how to read. She conquers. She finally does it. And for the first time in her life, she experiences 
self-love. And so to celebrate her self-love, she married herself. And what does Lisa, what does Lisa say? Lisa says, how is she going to consummate the marriage? She said that? Yes. We got to go to a break. What? I mean, how does, how, this is what I get from Lisa. You just learned how to read. Slow down. (laughs) (laughs) How's she going to consummate the marriage? I think we've covered that other weeks. Yeah. (laughs) Take your pick. She got to convert. Oh, my gosh. How does she know what to use? Like, she. What did she do oh, at restaurants? What did she do at restaurants? What she do at restaurants? She always had the house special. <laughs> Billy Powell, American musician, longtime keyboardist for Leonard Skinner, from 1972 until his death in 2009. Born this date, heavenly birthday today. Born 1952. Billy Powell from Leonard Skinner. My favorite Leonard Skinner hit of all time. You know it. This love originally recorded by DeBarge. Lead singer, of course, El DeBarge. All this love. Anyway, today's birthday day for El DeBarge. El DeBarge, born in 1961, celebrating a birthday today. Let's head to the telephones. Let's go to Paulie. You've been waiting for a long time. Paulie and Paramus, you are very patient, and I appreciate your patience. Thank you. You're part of the Saturday morning radio extravaganza. How are you, Paulie? Good, good, good. Oh, I got a question to ask you. Was uh, Frida Payne ever banned from the radio for singing the song, Bring Them Home? Yes. Because I haven't heard the song in years. Yes, 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 and yes. Um, That song... That song created a stir. Frida Payne, of course, was the Invictus artist. Uh, same label as it, it was a blue record label. Same label as the chairman of the board were on Invictus. They didn't have too many artists that, that, that broke. But Frida Payne's first big hit was Band of Gold. And then she yeah. did a song during the anti-war movement called Bring Them Home. And radio stations around the country were pressured not to play that song. And some of them That's complied crazy. and did not play it. Can they play it today? We can. Do we have it? If we have it, I believe. So, I can play it right now. Crazy, because you would play think it. Memorial Day or Veterans Day, you guys would play a song like that. Well, you and know what? You mentioned don't even it. know about this song. A lot of people don't know about the song because it was banned. This was free to. That's Band of Gold. You have Band of. This is Band of Gold. Yeah. Sorry, that's all we got. I mis- I misheard you. Yeah. Yeah, but bring them home. We'll have to find that. We'll have to find that and, and play that one day because that that song 
And, it, and of course, it didn't become a hit because it was banned. And it was it's oh. a really good song for the uh, Vietnam veterans. We're going to find it. We'll find it. And thank, thank you. you. I appreciate thank that, Paulie. Got it. Okay, okay. let's go. Thank you. thank you so much. Let's go to Clark in Queens. Clark, welcome. Clark is busy. Let's put him on hold and we'll come back to him. Okay. Thank you much. Let's go to Margaret in Ardsley, New York. Margaret, you're on WABC. How are you? I'm, I'm doing good, James. Thanks for taking my call. I was thinking about uh, what you said about Lizzo and uh, that all the things that her talent and what she's able to do, separate from how she looks or how she dresses, that that's okay. Just to be the way you are is okay. And then when you read the story about the elderly woman who um, finally accepted herself because she could read, well, she was okay, too, before she could read. I mean, she wasn't okay for a lot of things. She couldn't do a lot of things, like reading about a lot of things. But as a person, she was okay. People loved her. But That's true. Aren't the two the same? But she didn't love herself. Lizzo Lizzo actually is kind of fearless because Lizzo loves herself enough that she'll go out there and perform. She knows how she looks. Believe me, everybody that's overweight, and I can tell you this from experience because now I used to be skinny most of my life, and I mean hardcore skinny, skinny. I can wear anything. And I can tell you that being overweight after you've spent most of your life being skinny is not a fun thing. Right? And it is. So I'm the same. Okay, and so, and it does, it does, it do, you have to constantly check yourself if you, if you want to, look, nobody wants to be overweight. It happens for a lot of reasons. Um, and and j- just like this woman that attacked Lizzo and said, okay, she must eat fast food. Well, that's pretty, I, I hate calling people stupid, so I'm not going to call her stupid, but that is a pretty stupid comment to make. I'm not mm-hmm. calling her stupid, but the statement is stupid. With me, when I had double pneumonia, uh, the doctors put me on pregnizone. I gained mm. 80 pounds, 80 pounds mm. on pre- when I was on a steroid. And it's just like, how did that happen? And so that's been a struggle ever since, right? 80 pounds wow. from after steroid use. And it's just like, wow, that's insane. There are lots of reasons why people, some people have glandular things going on. Some people have all kind of issues going on that contributes to their to their weight. And so to attack somebody and just immediately, oh, well, you're fat because you eat too much fast food or you eat, it's just that you don't know what's going on in somebody else's life. That's that true. woman is incredibly talented. And, and that's one of the things that I really dig about her. She is, you know, I, Scott sent me a picture. Scott said, yeah, you see the, yeah, y'all think Scott's all Mr. Mr. Lovey-dovey, Mr. I'm such a good guy. Yeah, that's right. Mr. Good Guy sends me this picture of Lizzo. Hey, see this one? What do you think about this? I, I think that's, I think that Lizzo's Lizzo. Hey, thank you. Get him, Bo. That lady, that lady in the nursing home, she finally accepted herself. Right. I found that the true love inside. And some people can never get to that place. And I think part of what Lizzo is doing 
with with the things that she wears because you know they are beautiful outfits and she's saying that it shouldn't matter um but is she saying that also to herself i wonder i i don't know you know i don't know either what do you, you think know, avery is is lizzo saying to herself that it doesn't matter Hmm. You saying does she accept herself in in the privacy yeah, of her does, own? Does Liz, yeah, does she accept herself? That's not for me. I'm not a psychiatrist. You asking me to? Well, you asking the fact my, that she just said she wants to move to a farm would okay. make me think she does not. Yeah, I can say I can say what she I think. She wants to move to a farm to get away from all the hateful comments and the hate that's being expressed to her. Who wants to put up with that stuff? I think we covered that already. Anybody that dresses like that. Oh, here we go again. Okay. Yeah, Mr. Mr. Chick Flick over here. <laughs> Mr. I love watching chick flicks with my wife. Yeah. Oh, did you see Bridesmaids? Yeah. Did you see the wedding story? Oh. I watched it with my wife. I'm oh, such a good guy. Such a good guy. Yeah, you gotta now, let me rag on yeah. Lizzo. You gotta hold on to that she stuff, Scott. You gotta she hold on to that stuff, herself? man. James Golden, thank you. So much, Margaret. Our number duo. You gotta read, the read, the, read the room, Scott, before you volunteer that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go home tonight and watch Bridesmaids again because I just, me and my you wife. You too? No, I'm not going to watch Bridesmaids. <laughs> what? You've, what never, I... you've never even seen it. You have no, no idea course. what you're talking about. Scott, of course I haven't seen it. Well, you hear it. The title alone. Bridesmaids. Is this your kind of movie, James? Uh, this is one no. of those things where, you know what, Scott? I watched uh, The Bridesmaids over the weekend. You're right. That's a funny movie. That yeah. was good. Y'all both, totally both got good points, man. <laughs> it, 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 it's funny. Up. It's funny once. <laughs> it's funny once. I'll watch it one time then. We're coming back. Don't go away. <laughs> Welcome to our number trio. This is our third hour here on WABC Talk Radio 77. We are the crown jewel of American radio, and this is the Saturday Morning Radio Experience. If you'd like to be part of the program, 800-848-WABC is the number to call, 800-848-9222. The gang's all here. Nick's here. Avery's here. Chick Flick Scott is here. You know it. Yeah. I love chick flicks. I love chick flicks. I'd love to watch the chick flicks. I, I'm, I'm, I, I'm not. You're not. You're not going to embarrass me. Why it's a, not? It's a good movie. That was a big mistake, Scott boy. <laughs> it's big a good mistake. movie. Oh, name another song where Spyro Gyra is in. I've never even. The, okay, that was the right, only well, reason okay. I brought it up. <laughs> that, that's, okay, that's, so, a, that's a gift that keeps on giving, Scott. <laughs> You know, I mean, I, Avery, do you watch chick flicks with your girl or your your or however you? No, no. You don't watch chick flicks. Nick, do you watch chick flicks? Yeah, it depends on who I'm with, definitely. Like, I'm not going to, you know, seek out a chick flick and watch it on my own. But, uh, you know, if I'm with a girl and she's got a favorite movie that happens to be a chick flick, I'll indulge her. You're so sweet. That's so nice. 
That's what that's what she got friends for. You know what I mean? I'm sorry. I'm just too old. I ain't watching no daggone chick flicks. I'm not doing it. Okay? Unless I... I mean, I'm not saying, okay, let me amend that. I, I guess I can't say I would never watch a chick flick. In, in the first five minutes of the movie, you know the whole movie. You know what is going to happen, who's going to end up with who. You know everything. And then you have a fun little game to play while you're watching. you got to guess all the interactions. And that's the thing. When you're watching, like, a bad movie, it can be a good bad movie. And you can get some sort of ironic enjoyment out of it, you know? No. I can't. No. The only thing I could think of is there are other things I could be doing than sitting watching this. Would, would it help if I said I didn't cry during Bridesmaids? It's a comedy, okay. man. It wasn't meant to be cried at. Okay. Okay. I well. hope you didn't cry. <laughs> hey, get rid of him, Bo, if he cried. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I'm trying to Do you remember you. the... Uh, there was, I forget the name of this channel. There was a channel... That used to have nothing but women's movies on. I forgot the name Life, of it. Lifetime. The Hallmark. Ha- the Hallmark. There's like three of them now. The Hallmark yeah, Channel, too. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And L, what is it? There's a new one. The Great American. I don't There's the conservative one now. You know all these things. Of course I do. Hallmark kind of took over that thing from Lifetime. You don't really hear much from Lifetime anymore. There's like three Hallmarks now. Yeah. I used to, when I was younger, I, you know, I used to watch, I tried to watch the uh, I Hate Men channel. And which one is that? That, that was lifetime? that life. That was that yeah. thing. That 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 lifetime thing, and I I gave up on it really quick because it's like, oh, this is another one of those guy cheats on his wife, guy's miserable, woman kills the husband, and everybody's like, yay, she got rid of him. He was a dirt bag, and then the other one here's the guy. He's out doing this and he's out doing that. Another dirt bag. And how I can find myself and feel better after I've been with the dirt bag. Yeah, and then here's another one, and it's just another variation on he's a dirt bag. Yeah, that's it's like I'm, they're yeah, still I, ma- and they're still making them. Yeah, I remember when I was them, still cranking them out. Really, I remember when I was a, a teenager. I had this girlfriend that tried to get me to go see this play. Right, this play was really big in New York. It was called for Go- for colored girls who considered suicide at the end of the rainbow or something when the rainbow wasn't enough or whatever it was. And this was like the big rage for colored girls. You got to, and every, every guy I know, man, their, 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 their girlfriends like, Oh no, you have to go to see this with me. I refuse. I am not going to go sit down and watch some movie about how miserable black men are. No, thank you. And you're still single today. Screw you. <laughs> You said movie or play? It was a play. Yeah, see, that's a whole other And then, and then the right. color purple came out. And then it was like, oh, no, you have to go see the color purple. No, I don't. The movie? Yeah. Oh, come no, on, man. I don't. You have to go. No. You, you have to see no. that, man. I have never seen it. I'm not going. That is not I a chick t- flick. <laughs> I saw 10 minutes of it. I saw 10 minutes of it, and I'm like, oh, Hell no. I am not yeah. going to sit down and watch this. Nobody would ever confuse the color purple with a chick flick. No. That's really long, though, isn't it? Isn't that like three hours long? That's, a, that's one of the movies you have to see. No, I don't. It's another one of these men are terrible, especially black men. Uh, I'm not going to sit down and subject myself to watch that crap. Is it? Is it about men? That's what I. That's what I got from it. I know I'm not sitting down and watching that. And no, I'm not going to your play for colored girls. If the play is for colored girls, then the colored girls can go see it. It's not for me. I'm not. I wouldn't go see it then. I wouldn't see it now. 
No. I, I agree with the play, not Color Purple, the movie. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, no, I'm not. So, you guys all watch the chick flicks, and I. But then Scott says the magic words. Yeah, you're still single. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I didn't say that. Got him. <laughs> all right. In Texas, return. Oh. Before, do you guys ever go to Costco? You go to Costco? Do you shop at Costco? Used to. Okay. Shoppers are already changing their spending habits. This is coming from Costco, at Costco executives. They say that what's happening inside Costco and people's shopping patterns are already changing in preparation for a coming recession. Bosses, executives at the megastore chain, on a call, investors call, said that customers are already ditching more expensive beef products and big ticket items such as refrigerators and televisions. Instead of buying the beef, they're going to cheaper meats such as chicken and pork or no meat at all. And they say that they've stopped buying refrigerators. Last time this happened was right before we went into a a recession. So this is a harbinger, apparently, at least from inside the retail environment, that things are not as rosy in this economy as many people would have you believe. People's shopping habits are changing. You know, Beth, Bed Bath and Beyond uh, is is uh, closing down all of its stores too, and that's kind of a drag because you know those little coupons you could actually use to you know do well at a Bed Bath and Beyond, but they've had enough. Look at all the stores that have gone out and gone under. Pier One used to be big. Pier One used to have some really good stuff in it. Pier One gone. Bed Bath & Beyond, gone. I wonder, is this thing that's happening at Target going to last? And if it's happening at Target and it lasts for a long time, how will it impact their bottom line? In fact, there's another story I pulled up today about how, why so many corporations are going in to this these woke episodes that are ending up costing, in some cases, their businesses a lot of money. Also, out in California, insurance is another thing. State Farm last week, I don't know whether you know this or not, State Farm said that they were going to stop writing policies in California because it, um, it was too expensive. The cost to insure new homes is far higher than the price they would pay for policies during due to wildfires, etc. Higher costs for repairing homes, higher reinsurance premiums. Well, now Allstate has said that they're going to stop writing policies, homeowner policies in California. It just makes you wonder. I have a lot of people love love it out there. A lot of my friends love it out there in California. Mm-hmm. The shoplifting crisis 
is now so bad. And this is not just here in New York. This is bad in the country. Has become so bad that fed up shoppers are now struggling to get their hands on even the most basic essentials which are increasingly being stashed away under heavy lock and key. Get this, a $3.99 can of Spam is now behind lock and key, protected in a plastic anti-theft case at Duane Reed in Manhattan's Port Authority store. They were stealing Spam. So bad that they had to lock I don't, I don't the believe spe- that. Why don't you believe that? Man, look, we got to really hit the reset button if we to that point. You still in spam? You got to lock up the spam? They had to lock up the spam. Wow. Even a lousy tin of tuna at half price is now being locked up at one of the chain stores in Penn Station. That's the one underneath the garden. The New York Post visited a bunch, a handful of shops on Friday and um, to find a slew of low-priced items. They tried to find some Dawn dishwashing liquid, which goes for $2.19. Vaseline lip balm, $2.79. Kids toothbrushes, $3.99. A Cadbury chocolate bar for $4.399. A dollar seventy nine can of tuna locked up. See, I believe that the, the customers have to ring a bell, wait for the employees to eventually come to them to unlock the goods. And it is really frustrating shoppers out there. Spell, God. Shopping in stores is becoming more of a hassle. What if you pick up one item? After you wait, you decide, nah, you know, I don't really want this, but I want another. Got to ring the bell again, wait for somebody to come, and unlock it. 75% of customers, consumers in the United States now say they are relegated to shopping in stores where products are being locked up in cabinets to avoid rampant theft. Wow. Under New York, the new bail laws, this is what's contributing to all this. If you're busted for stealing items less than $1,000, the only thing that they can get you with is a a, a petit larceny charge. It's a misdemeanor. You can't, uh, uh, they won't hold you on bail. So think about this. Every shoplifter that comes in has a $1,000 gimme limit, and it's only a misdemeanor. You can go in, and so what has happened? Organized crime, they never miss a beat, has now figured out that if they send in armies of shoppers, of shoplifters, they can walk out with the store. But and who, resell all this stuff. Who's buying it from them? They gonna like if we shoplifting it from the store. Who's gonna buy it from them? Well, number one, I don't know who we is because I don't shoplift. Well, they. Okay. 
look, people will always buy stuff at a discount. So you steal a, a dollar seventy nine <laughs> can of tuna, and then you sell it for. 50, as they say, 50 cents. There's no bigger it's, discount than stealing your, it. What? That's the ultimate discount, stealing it. Right. You get it for zero. Yeah. And then you go out and sell it for pennies on the dollar. You're still making tons of money. It's a shame, man. Yeah, it's a shame. This is what liberalism is. It's a shame. Get this. There were 13,000. 738 reported thefts <laughs> just at the end of March. That's only those that reported. You know most of them are not reported. Yeah. I'm saying, when, at what point did you give up on the report? <laughs> right. <laughs> they hit me again. Yeah, when they, when they steal the pencil that you're using to make the report with. <laughs> <laughs> Now, a lot of people are saying that, um, uh, that you know, they, it's time to start locking up these shoplifters. But no, no, no. San Francisco, it's so bad in San Francisco. Organized retail crime. After those geniuses out there reclassified nonviolent theft as misdemeanors. Again, 950 bucks. Employees at one target location, downtown San Francisco, said their store is plagued by at least 10, 10 robberies a day. 10 a day. Add that up for every day of the year. Okay, and that's what's happening in the stores. Thank you, liberals. You have made shoplifting a way of life. In America. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley, coming back. More of your calls coming up. We're going to get to the phones. America's small caffeinated mom is coming up. The The Commodores. Lionel Richie. The memories are all in my mind. One of the songs back in the days when we used to appreciate the women that we loved. Instead of ragging on them for wearing outfits on stage. There's something I must say out loud. Instead of recognizing their talent and their merit and their beauty. You once, twice. Yes, you are. Three times a lady. On 77 WABC. Creative source. A lot of people know the cover of this song more than they know this version of it. This was the original. 
written by Skip Scarborough. If that sounds a little earth, wind, and fiery to you, earth, wind did the cover of this on the Gratitude album. I could hear Maurice over this. Yeah, man, the earth, wind, and fire is dope. They, they slowed, they did a different take on it. And um, it's slower, but the harmonies are so enriched. But this was a great version, too. Texas became the largest state in America to ban gender affirming. I cannot stand this phrase that they use. Texas became, I'm going to amend it. This is a story that's found in the Hill today. Texas became the largest state to ban gender mutilation for minors. Yesterday, after the governor there, Greg Abbott, signed the bill into law, the law takes effect September 1st, prohibits health care providers from prescribing hormones or puberty blockers to minors or performing mutilations to help with their their gender trans uh, transitions. And this is for minors. There's one insurance company, I read this story, I don't remember the name of the insurance company, that says they're no longer going to cover, in, in one particular state, they're not going to cover doctors anymore for this because of fears that down the road, a lot of these kids that are being mutilated are going to come back and sue the doctors, and they don't want to be responsible for it. Oh, man. Let's go back to the telephones. Let's go to Steve in Jersey City. How are you, Steve? Bo, it's a pleasure. Uh, before I make my point, Avery is the funniest guy on earth. Number two, Scott. <laughs> Number two, Scott. Listen, Bo. If he needs to get into his feminine, dainty <laughs> side, let him be. <laughs> yeah, leave me alone. <laughs> okay. Now, now uh, James, the point I wanted to make was, okay, you know these transgenders, they are all for men competing with women in women's sports. Now, my point is, what if Mike Tyson wakes up tomorrow and says, you know, I feel feminine. I'm a woman. I want to box women. Would they be all right with that? Well, you know, you, you know what you just triggered. You know what you just okay. triggered. I don't know whether you meant this. Uh, you know you just triggered it. Immediately, okay. the quote that that Michael Tyson made, that Mike Tyson made, he's, I don't remember if it was the left or right hook, but back way back when, he said the best left hook or right hook, whatever it was, the best hook that he ever gave was to Robin Givens, his wife. And that was, that shocked the world back then. So that's what immediately triggered 
Iron Mike, no, people would not be okay with it because they, it, it would expose in great clarity exactly how perverse this idea is that men should be competing with women under the guise that they are women themselves. So, no, it would expose it all. And you raise such a great point. Thank you so much. Let's go to John in Rutherford. John, thank you for waiting. You're on WABC. How are you, John? Uh, how you doing, Bo? Uh, I was I was laughing at your your uh, show yesterday when you were at the, one of the guys was asking about the uh, the sailors, this phrase that they use for sailors. Yes. <laughs> this was this was the story. This was the story about the the Navy. Um, Right. Having to stop the drag shows. I no, that was the Air Force. No, it was the right, right. Navy. Talk about the Navy too. Oh yeah, the no, Navy, there were two. Uh, there was the the, the, the transgender uh, contrail. That was right. that was right. the Navy story. Yeah, the Navy's had, the Navy had. Thank you. The Navy had one of those flight things and uh, one of those with with the with the air show, and they had a rainbow colored, you know, plumes coming out of the. The uh, planes, of course, we said they're they're chemtrails. The Navy had rainbow-colored chemtrails flying to honor Pride Month, and that's where that started off, right? They they uh, well, what happened was I uh, I have a friend who uh, was a cop in a local town, and we used to kid each other about he was in the Navy and I was in the Army, and what happened was he says, well, you just you know it's funny they have a phrase for us. I go, I know it's. I'll use the. I'll just use the the letters, P, R. And if you can figure it out, then uh, what happened was they would land. They would land on these little islands, and there'd be nothing there but pelicans. So now think mm. about it. You're you're on a, you're on a boat for whatever how many how long it is, and guys, we need to take care of issues, right? And so oh goodness, oh oh. <laughs> Oh, yeah. this is just going. Oh, this goes into oh, a bad, yeah. bad, bad place. Yeah. <laughs> but oh, this anyway, is a bad. And, 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 about a while ago, so. <laughs> yeah. Goodness. <laughs> okay. With pelicans. Uh, this was what's got. Well, and thank you. <laughs> only thing left on the island. Th- thank you, John. Uh, thank you. And that's right. It all comes back to me now. Because then Scott accused anybody in the Navy of being of having certain predilections. That's not how I remember. He it. said, "That's how I remember it." You said that the Navy was filled with with, and everybody kind of <laughs> yeah. knew it. Yeah, that's what that, I said. That, that that's the what Navy, I said. Yeah, that the Navy was known for having. I said the Navy has had historically a reputation of having proclivities. In that direction. And I think it's proven by the fact that they just posted a thing on Twitter with a rainbow flag in back of the jet. Right? Uh. In fairness, I was talking to TJ about this after the show yesterday. And, you know, you, the, I think that this all started, you know, because it was all guys on a boat and they had no outlet for months and months. And uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, now that we have women. That's what this guy just said with the Pelicans. But you now that we have, and I still don't know what PR stands for. I'm trying not to think about it. Um, but with, now that there are women on, you know, in the Navy, it's probably, you know, d- not deserving of that reputation. Anymore. Well, I remember when they first started talking about women coming into it the Navy. It was probably great for them, honestly. Well, here's another one that your government, when they, when they first introduced the idea 
of women being on the long haul uh, 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 ships that they would be out to sea for months, and women were going on. This was back during the, the feminists were the protest days, and even the guys were saying, "Nope, this is going to hurt morale. Also, you're going to end up with a bunch of pregnancies. You're going to end up with and and women were outraged. Nope, we need equality on the ships. So what happened? They let the women come on the ships, and what happened? The pregnancies started. But the morale went up. Well, got to take the good with the bad. Yeah, the morale went up for a couple of them, a couple guys. Like, see how many people on that ship? (laughs) (laughs) I can see it driving the morale down. For a lot of guys. For a lot of guys. That were in the left out crowd. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Back when it was all guys, as Scott was saying, Scott was impugning our United States naval forces as being a bunch of... um, Yeah. Yeah, Let me hearken back to the village people. They definitely weren't implying that with any of their music. Yeah, blame the village people. Nothing to do with that. That's where where it became mainstream. That's where that idea became mainstream. I see the point. I see the point he's making, but man, that is... And the Pelican thing, I don't, I don't want to touch the Pelican thing. <laughs> I don't think anybody, we, none of us want to go. We don't want to dive in. We don't want to go down that rabbit hole yeah. or the Pelican. And James Golden, a.k.a. Snurdly, WABC Talk Radio 77. Aretha takes us in. This was written by Don Covey. Longtime Queens resident, singer-songwriter Don Covey wrote this hit. Aretha Franklin, WABC Talk Radio 77. Coming back right after this. This is the Saturday Morning Radio Extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. Hey, Bo, man, don't do this. <laughs> you know, this was Scott's choice. It's my education. This is how I know all about the Navy. <laughs> I learned about it. WABC. <laughs> All I know about the Navy came from this song. <laughs> you can see why my perspective might be. Both. <laughs> you dancing on a fine line here. I never really listened to the lyrics of this song. <laughs> what are they talking about? <laughs> I'm serious. I never listened to the lyrics of this song. I only knew the chorus. Man, you know good good and well. If you don't know exactly what they're talking about, you know the theme of it. Does <laughs> <laughs> Trump use this at his rally? Okay, protect the motherland. Yeah, protect your fellow man. Mm-hmm. Man. They want you. They want. Oh dear. You. They want you as a recruit. <laughs> so this is a recruiting song. 
the grooming song. A recruited. Let's uh let, let's head back to the uh let's head back to the telephones. Let's go to Suffolk County and Robert. How are you, Robert? Welcome. You're on WABC. How are you? Hi. Oh, good morning. Thank you, gentlemen. Yes. The uh, <clears throat> kind of strange. It's I can't really understand why they selected this narrow group which seems to be age discriminatory, 50 to 54 years old. I don't think that's going to stand up in court. You're talking, about for the, you're talking about for the work requirements. Yeah. Why not apply? No, it's not, just, it's not just 50 to 54. They added that. There are already work requirements for younger people and for oh. other groups. And so what they said was, up until now, if you were over 50, you were excluded. But now the Republicans have said, hey, if you're 50 to 54, you can still work 20 hours a week. So go out uh-huh. and get a job before you before you get your handouts. And then they still exempted people. Okay, they said the if you're between 50 and 54 and you're homeless, this doesn't apply to you. If you're between 50 and 54 and you're a veteran. This doesn't apply to you. But if you are able-bodied between 50 and 54 and you want to keep getting your food stamps, your food electronic card, then you have to work at least part-time. Get a part-time job. Do something to to help offset the cost of this thing. And, of course, the liberals are having a cow because they don't believe anybody should have to work. Just give them money. Just everybody else that works should contribute to people who don't want to work and just give them money so that they can live their best life not working. 50 to 54, and around the country, the total is that they believe that are now going to be impacted by this new work requirement, 750,000 people. That's it. Out of a country of over, well, who knows what the population is now thanks to our open borders, but uh, a, a, a population well north of 300 million people, we're saying 750,000 of them may actually have to get a job part-time in order to collect their food stamp bennies. I don't think it's asking too much. Now that you know more information about it, do you think it's asking too much, Robert? It's- hmm. Are there exclusions, uh, rules for, like, people who have a really hard time getting a job? What does that mean? Uh, I, I don't understand what that means. I, I, look, I'm not trying to be dense, but I, I'm really trying to understand what that means. I have a real time, hard time getting a job. Well, Sometimes, if you have a... Well, <laughs> go ahead. Wait for a while. You've been employed for a while, so you don't understand. Like I've been I've, employed I've since I was 14 years old. I've been yeah, working since I was a kid. So yeah, I don't understand what, what this is. I have a real hard time getting a job. Some people do. I mean, there are jobs out here. Get one. My dad sure. used to tell me something all the time and I, and, and when I was a child. He taught all of us. And he said, look, if you cannot find a job, then make a job for yourself. 
do something that you can. You can go, and back in the days, I mean, the examples that were, you can take a broom and a dustpan and go to every single business in your neighborhood and ask them, hey, you need me to sweep up outside your sidewalk? I'd like to do that. He said, if you can't, there's always something that you can do to be productive. You can always work. That was back, though, when people honored the idea of working, that having a work ethic was a good thing. I couldn't wait. I couldn't wait till I got old enough. Back in the day in New York, you had to get your working papers. You had to be 14 years old to get your working papers. Up and then you could, if you worked before age 14, which I did, you it wasn't legal. But my first real job happened when I was 14. I used to do other things like do chores. Like when we'd get a snow, when it would, when we'd get a snowfall, I'd be out there with the sh- going to shovel door to door so I could make money, or stuff like that. I did the same thing. You, you did that, Nick. I'm glad to see the tradition lives on through generations. Because I wanted money. I wanted to buy, because my parents wouldn't buy me everything that I wanted. They were like, we were, my, and here's the other thing. Boy, talk about your parents. My parents always said, we'll, we, will, we are responsible for getting you what you need, not what you want. You want something that you don't need, that's on you. Get it yourself. I couldn't wait to start working. So I could get some of the things that I wanted to get myself. But there was a different era. Let's go to, thank you for the call. Let's go to Gail in Staten Island. How are you, Gail? Good morning, James. I'm listening to your segments since I woke up and you hit many subjects. Excuse me. One of them was about Lizzo. and, And another one was about a woman that couldn't read and taught herself. And I think of all these words, mindful, humble, and Civility. I don't know what happened to it. Across this great nation, there's so many angry young people that instead of our government throwing money at programs to help children read and have math when they, you know, they're not even prolific in it, take the time and just volunteer. They're so angry. They're so hateful. You know, I just feel this is a failing nation and system and I'm sure it's a group of her peers that listens to Lizzo's music, and then they could sit down and be mean. I I, I don't understand. It's very sad. And I love your show, and I love your group there. Thank you, Gail. I appreciate you so much, and we love you too. Thank you, Gail. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley, when we come back, you mentioned keyword civility. When we come back, we're going to hear from America's Small Caffeinated Mom here on WABC Talk Radio 77. It is our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. And, uh, yeah, celebrating the Navy and other things this morning. But civility, civility, and what has happened to civility. Keep it right here at WABC Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Extravaganza 
is in your ears. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. WABC Talk Radio, 77 in New York. It is your Saturday. This is your Saturday morning. Radio Extravaganza with Diana Ross bringing us back. Love Hangover. That's right up Avery's alley, too. America's small caffeinated mom is on the line. Rhonda Schrock, good morning. How are you, Rhonda? Good morning, James. I'm doing great. Uh, I love you. I love the team. Oh, my goodness. Sometimes when Avery is talking, I think, does he have a mother? And what would what is she saying to him <laughs> if she hears his segment? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, Avery, you're something else. But I, James, I'm I'm thrilled that the caller that was just on mentioned the word civility. That's exactly what has been on my mind, actually, for a number of years. As I have watched the decline of civility um, in our culture, in the national conversation, I know Rush used to go on absolute rants about Twitter. And I know what he was talking about. I feel it when I'm on Twitter. Um, our nation is feeling the loss of civility, and we're hurting for it. So I did a little studying on it this week. Uh, I thought it was so interesting that the root word of civility is a Latin word, civilis, and it means relating to public life, uh, befitting a citizen. And I thought that there is the key to helping us find our way back to civility. As an American citizen, I have a responsibility to treat, to, well, to conduct myself with honor, but to treat my fellow citizens with respect. And how, how do you do that? It's so difficult when the heat has been turned up so high. There's so much hatred. We've become keyboard warriors, and we say things in cyberspace that we would never say to each other in person, and it's so damaging. So I thought, how does that look? Um, in these days where evil isn't even trying to hide anymore, it's shouting loudly and mm. it's showing us what it is. How does it look when there are deep, true ideological differences? Well, I ran across a, a quote that went like this, be tough on the issues, but gentle with people. That resonated with me, and I realized that for the last number of years, I have been practicing that Skill, and it really is a skill. And it brought to mind something that happened uh, to my husband and I last summer. We had gone into a Chick-fil-A one evening for dinner, and there was a long, long line. And right in front of us were two young African-American men. They were wearing the tiniest amount of hot pink spandex that you could possibly wear and be allowed out in public. One of them had very sparkly, flamboyant glasses. They were very fit and very lean, and their vibe, their whole vibe was two things. Look at us, and we dare you to say anything. Well, I'm the mother of four boys, and I cannot help noticing um, others who are different, who stand out, who – I just – my heart just goes to certain people in certain crowds, and so – I just started talking to them, and all of a sudden, one of them just sat down on the restaurant floor 
and started mopping his face with a napkin. He was clearly suffering. So I said, do you, do you need a glass of water? He said, no, I'll be fine. But pretty soon he got up and he just went and sat back at a table in a quiet corner and wait to wait while his buddy got their food. So I slipped up to the counter and I said, there's a customer over here who really needs a drink of water. Could you give me one, please? And she did. So I took it back to him and he told me that he has asthma and heat is very hard for him. So I gave him that cup of water and I said, you know, I have four boys and when they are out in the world, I just love it when another mother somewhere pays attention to them, takes care of them. So I'm doing this for your mother. He smiled at me, just this big, beautiful smile. While I stepped back into line, his friend is still there in front of us, and I told him, you know, I took your buddy a a glass of water, and I told him I'm doing it for his mom, you know, because I'm a mom too. And then I just looked at him, and he was wearing a hat, and underneath his hat, I just looked up into his face, and I said, is your mother still alive? And he paused a bit. Tell him we're going to run out of time today. Yes, I I just I had a conversation with them then, and I said, there's something special about you. I want you to know that there's a mother in the world who loves you. I will be praying for you as I as you come to my mind, and all these months later, I do. And James, as God as I have done it for other mothers' kids, God has sent strangers to do it to my son when he was homeless in the streets. Civility is contagious, and we can practice it. It's such a blessing. And that, and that, Rhonda, is what it is all about. Where can people find your essay this week on civility? It is on thedailybs.com this morning. Uh, as good citizens, we need civility's return. And you know what? I hope one of these days we have a place to share that picture you sent me, which was it, it's such a remarkable picture, Rhonda, of yes. you caught so much in that one. Rhonda sends me pictures from time to time of life in the, uh, in the what do we call it, the flyer? Uh, anyway, <laughs> just, can you just describe the picture? Describe this picture, Rhonda. Of me with those two boys? That one? The picture with the buggies, the picture with the cars, the cars, the buggies, the... In the same place, you took a, you sent me a picture of I guess where with a bunch of horse drawn buggies, and they're just hanging out and just you know right next to you, the regular traffic that you see. You see this is normal. This is a normal sight here for where we live. And I it was and and behind it was the the golden arches. I was like, wow, this is really a really, it's really an amazing piece of Americana. And and you were able to capture that. So what an amazing picture. I want to, I want to post it on the on somewhere. So we'll, we'll see Rhonda. Thank you so much. As always, your words are so inspiring Mm, and we so so appreciate and love you. Thank you. And people can find you where? RhondaShrock.com, S-C-H-R-O-C-K. Thank you, Rhonda. Appreciate you. We'll hear from you next week. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley. Uh, let's see. You said, who do we have on the phones? Uh, who do we have on the phone? Nick, you were telling me we have somebody on the phone? Gone. All right. Okay. Thank you. Let's head back to the telephones in our remaining moments here. Ralph is from New Rochelle has been holding on. We so appreciate it. Hi, Ralph. Welcome here on WABC, James Golden. How are you, Mr. Golden? It's always a pleasure to talk with you. Just a small thing on Lizzo. Years ago, there was a singer, Mama Cass, had the same issues. 
You remember from the mamas and papas? Of course, from the mamas and the papas, Mama Cass. Yes. He went through the same crap with people. Now, the reason for my call, Mr. Mama Cass, tragically, we lost her. Do you remember? Um, No, never mind. She did. Ah. Uh, Yeah. Monday, Monday, June 5th, is the 30th birthday of the Scottish philosopher Adam Smith. He wrote the book, The Wealth of Nations. He is the one that started the whole free market uh, system of our economy. I mean, the you know, if people today would learn about the wealth of nations, they would realize that, you know, he looked at the economic freedom from the bottom up, where he felt that everybody was allowed the fullest opportunity to decide for themselves the best way to use their labor and capital. And he said in his book, every man, as long as he does not violate the law of justice, is left perfectly free to pursue his own interest in his own way and to bring both industry and capital into competition with others. I mean, he was the guy that started the whole reason for, you know, how well this country did, you know, it's just I don't believe Adam Smith children in school. Yes, often regarded as the father of free markets, and that is coming up this week. What's June six? Since you mentioned that, Ralph, D-day. what happened? What What is D-day, June six? June six is the when anniversary the of the States, day when the United States freed Europe from the yoke of fascism, sir. And don't let people forget it. Many of those veterans are gone. Freed thousands of away. I would just amend your statement by saying free the world because people yes, don't do not. We talk about the European theater, but World War II took place in over 70 different theaters around the world. And yes, the Axis powers served, at one point, yep. My father served in Okinawa in the United States Navy. He was a CD. 20 years old, he went to war, my dad. In the Navy. Mm-hmm. In the Navy. And thank you yes, for sir. in the Navy. Thank you. Look, Ralph, we appreciate your call. The words from Adam Smith should be taken with full importance. He was he was a game changer in our history. And again, D Day, a day that we should never, all of us as Americans, if we are not educated about it. We should make every effort to educate ourselves about it. Because D-Day was one, you know what? I'm sure many of you that have studied have heard the story over and over again. How Dwight Eisenhower had actually prepared a speech in advance if D-Day had not gone successfully. Taking full responsibility for it. Because it would have been catastrophic. It would have been the most catastrophic defeat in American history. But thank God that the Allies were successful. The the invasion of Normandy was the beginning of the end to the most costly single war in world history. And had the United States and the Allies not prevailed, as difficult as many things are in this country today, we have no idea 
how much worse life would have been, not just in America, but all over the world, if the evil of the Axis powers had succeeded. Let me just say this as we draw today's show into a close. We are fighting monumental battles. Rhonda said something that I think is profound when she said, evil is no longer hiding. It doesn't feel the need to hide. We are battling evil every day. And we must recognize it in order to defeat it. May God bless each and every single one of you and your families and your loved ones. I have love and gratitude so much for you being here with us Monday through Saturday. Back, God willing, on Monday for both Snurley's Rush Hour at 4. Thank you again for being here. We'll see you later. From the crew, my best crew in radio. Thank you, guys, and we'll see you later. Bye. Bye.